0: Lord, we thank you that you care about the renewing of our minds and the transforming of our hearts, and you've given us your word, Lord, that we may grow and be changed as we would read it, as we would pray through it, as we would study it. Lord, not just for the sake of information, but to see ourselves be formed and shaped more and more like you. And Lord, as we would open your word this morning, we pray that it would not just be an academic exercise, but Lord, that you would move in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, that in abiding in your word, we would truly abide in you, just as you have come to make your home in us. So Lord, would you move in our hearts this morning. We welcome you here as we open your word, and in your name we pray this. Amen. Amen. And that oil is really, really works good. It's really oily, yeah. (laughs) If someone doesn't mind, could someone see if there's a bottle of water in that little fridge in the back? And then bring it up to me. (laughs) Just see someone opening it and going, yep, there's some there, Nick. Yeah, yes, yeah, <laughs> especially Brian's the one going. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. I'm going to take Tanner's table, too. There. Aha, uh-huh. handy. Thanks, Brian. Watch me not be able to open it now with the oil. There we go. So we're heading into Revelation. Revelation is, uh, is, is beautiful and and really strange, and uh, really brutal sometimes, and it's vital for our faith. And what I want to do this morning is we're going to look at chapter 1. I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, the genre that we're in and how to read Revelation well. And then we're going to talk a little bit about who this is written to uh, in verses 4 to 8, talking about the seven churches. And then we're going to talk about the vision of the Son of Man, in verse 9 through to the end of the chapter. But let's start right at the beginning, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And let's just stop right there for a moment. Let's pause right there, because we need to learn to ask the question, well, what exactly is a revelation? What do we mean by this? And how do we read this? Um, Because how you read a text, how you approach a text, depends on the style of writing. How you interpret something properly depends on knowing what it is uh, and what's being said. So for instance, I could say something like, um, my wife is a beautiful river and she refreshes my soul. And you would know that I'm using uh, poetic, imaginative language to say something about my relationship with Sarah and her presence in my life. And I would hope you would know I'm not actually married to a body of water. In fact, all of you go, well, of course not. We just know that because we get the language automatically, right? You just know this. It doesn't mean I'm not telling the truth, though, does it? I can say, she's a river. She refreshes me. And that's, there's something true that's being said, even though I'm not using propositions of information to communicate the truth. Do you see what I mean? Poetic and imaginative language speaks the truth in a, in a very significant and special way, And so I want to say up front think of this. You would read a novel differently than you would read the newspaper and differently than you would read a a manual on helicopter maintenance, for instance. And all of that to say, knowing the genre or the literary style of writing is important to know how to properly interpret it. And so we read verse one this is a revelation. We read verse three this is a prophecy. We read in verse four this is a letter. And so John is bringing together a variety of literary styles to communicate this message. And the word revelation is from the Greek apocalypsis or apocalypse, which nowadays when you hear the word apocalypse, we think end of the world. And that's kind of what it's come to mean today. But when this was written, apocalypse was a Jewish literary style that primarily just meant uh, a way of using symbols and imaginative language to sort of pull back the curtain to see what was really happening in the world. Take a look at, at the spiritual realities that are going on behind everyday life, sort of to look behind the scenes. And so it's a revelation using uh, imaginative, symbolic imagery to communicate truth, but it's a revelation about who? Revelation of Jesus Christ. And the first... <laughs> for the, this always drives us a kind of a pet peeve of mine. It's not revelations It's not plural It's not a series of speculative visions for you to Hold in one hand and hold a newspaper in the other and try and figure out some sort of timeline That's not the point. It's a revelation About jesus christ. He is the primary person. This is about It's about him the revelation of jesus as the Lord who guides the events of history and the future, as we will see, but also, and this is one of the essential themes of the book, comforts his church in her suffering. And so we get uh, a lot of parts here, and we'll see that, especially in the letters up front, of how Jesus is present in the midst of persecution and in the midst of spiritual apathy. Now, we might, uh, some of us, if you're not if you just don't like sort of lots of imagery in what you read and symbolism and, and stuff like that, you might be kind of turned off by it a little bit. Um, and some people will be like, well, why not just use, like, propositions? Like, why why use all the images? Why not just say, like, you know, Jesus is coming back uh, and it's going to be really good? And so, you know, just love him and carry on. Keep calm. Carry on. All will be well. Um, why Why not just use the propositions? And I think uh, Eugene Peterson's helpful here. He says this. He says, when people are under persecution, what they don't need is new information. What they need is a revived imagination for the truths they already know, truths which perhaps have gone cold. And isn't that true in our own lives when we are down or discouraged? Sometimes I don't need new information I need to be encouraged and remember what was already true about who I am in Jesus about what's going on in my life and to be encouraged to see what's actually happening behind the scenes when my uh, you know when the events of my life sort of seem to overwhelm me. And so the symbols and the images are used to arrest our imaginations we could say to make things more real to us through the use of Art and language and pictures drawing us into the truth. Now, all that said, it doesn't mean that God doesn't expect us to understand what's going on. He expects us to read it and to understand it. And that's clear in verse 3. Look at verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Look, we enacted it this morning. Audrey, you've been doubly blessed. (laughs) Well done. And blessed are those who hear. Well done, you. You've heard it. And who keep what is written, for the time is near. God intends to bless and to comfort and to encourage his church in every generation to be faithful and to persevere, especially during times of persecution and suffering. And that hope and comfort and grace for the people of God is all wrapped up in the person of Jesus. And so we read again in verse 3, blessed are those who read aloud. Again, this is how they would have communicated it, right? You would have gotten the letter, you would have gathered the church, and someone would have, would have read through the letter aloud, and you would have heard it. Blessed are those who read, blessed are those who hear, but then also blessed are those who keep. There's an element of, of personal response and obedience that's called for here. So the purpose of Revelation, I would say, is not just to get us sort of speculating about all sorts of things, and we will do a little of that. But the primary purpose is to inspire us to faithfulness and obedience to Jesus, particularly in difficult seasons. It may feel like a bit of a difficult season right now, doesn't it? Look at the emphasis in verses 5 and 6. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom of priests to his God and Father. Remember all the kingdom of priest language that was going on in Exodus that we just came out of. So we're not only called to hear, we're called to obey, we're called to live this out because of what Jesus has done for us, saving us through his blood shed on the cross. There's a call for us to live faithfully for God in a difficult time, and that's a, that can be a challenge for us, especially when there's a lot of distractions in life. Um, it's easy to be busy about all sorts of things. It's easy to get discouraged, and here Revelation is a call for us to remain faithful, to put Jesus first in our lives, and to uh, to sort of dive in to a loving relationship with God. There's a call for us here to pursue a deep life in Jesus, and that emphasis. On Jesus' atonement right at the outset is what we need to keep first in our minds. He has saved me and made me part of his people. There's a calling on my life, and now he's called me to live that faithfully. And part of this is remembering that God has a plan for his world. Yes, there is brokenness in the world, but that will not go on forever. And Jesus will return, and he will be seen by all. He's coming historically and visibly it's a real returning and his authority and his his deity and his sovereignty will be on full display verse 7 he's coming with the clouds every eye will see him and then there's this note of sorrow even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him why would that be because there'll be the recognition by many that we, of who we killed, we killed the one who was our savior. And we resisted the one who was offering us true life and salvation. And now as he is revealed, we suddenly realize, oh my goodness, we were wrong about who Jesus was. And so there's a call to repent now while there is time. The one who loves you and the one who died for you, the Lord of all, has come to bring assurance and peace and hope. And he calls us to live that out today in anticipation of when he comes again in glory. And then we read, it's written to these churches. Verse 4, John to the seven churches that are in Asia. And these early churches, we know they were experiencing fairly intense persecution, many of them. Um, It depends exactly when you date Revelation. You're either getting bad times under Emperor De Niro emperor nero or really bad times under emperor domitian so it's like it's either not not great or really really bad and so the churches are experiencing persecution from without and then also spiritual apathy from within dangers from within and you'll read when we go through the letters of the various issues that they're facing and the churches felt in a lot of ways that they were in the dark what was god doing Jesus has saved us. He's come. He's ascended back to, back to the Father. And now the mission of the church is going out. But there's persecution from Rome. It's bad times, right? Where is all of this going, they might ask. Why would God allow us to be suffering, they might ask. And maybe you've asked that question. Jesus, why are you allowing this thing to happen in my life? There was some real questions about do we resist The worship of the Emperor and think about this for a minute most of the most of the early Christians would have been fairly poor meeting in someone's house getting together to hear someone read scripture to celebrate the Lord's table to pray together and just outside you would have had huge temple projects going on of of the government and the social services And all the wealthy elites of your city getting together to build huge architectural, uh, you know, massive complexes to the various gods, particularly even to the emperor, temples to Caesar, huge amounts of wealth and money going into it and and pledging their loyalty to Rome. And here's these beaten down Christians and you look around you at the city you're in and you see all this work getting poured into something that doesn't honor God And you can imagine, you would start wondering, God, what are you doing? Why are you allowing that to happen? Why does it look like the bad guys are prospering? Look at all the immense wealth that's going into that project. And all around them, the world would seem like it was growing more evil and that the evil people were prospering. You ever felt that way? You ever looked around and thought, man, this world seems messed up. Or you've maybe heard someone say, or maybe you've said yourself, well, it's way worse now than it was when I was young. Hey, have you ever done that? You look around and kind of do this self-assessment, and you're like, man, it's weird. There's weird stuff happening. And you can imagine, especially if you're drawn to wealth and power and influence, and you see that happening out there, you would start to wonder, why, why do I follow a crucified Jew should I just give up on my faith? Clearly, this is, where the, this is where the real action is over here. And Revelation pulls back the curtain and says, actually, Jesus is alive and at work, even in this really difficult situation. And he's present in your persecution. And he will see things through to a glorious end. I woke up this morning at about 4.30. Keith, could you help me open this? I just know I won't be able to. <laughs> I woke up this morning at 4.30. Thank you so much. Just you can take the lid away. Bless you. All right, third time. I woke up this morning at 4.30. And uh, Willem was crying. He's right above us. Sarah had already been in, been in a couple times. And so I, I said, yeah, yeah, I'll go. I'll go up. And so from about 4.30 to 5, I've, I'm holding this little guy. He's so cute. And uh, I wanted to bring him up. Yeah, I'll do it at the 11. And, uh, you know, he's slowly settling down again. Eventually, he's back to sleep. And I'm, I lay him back down. And, and he's just got my finger. You know, he's just kind of got it. And he's like, yep, Dad, you just stay right there. And I'm doing the, like, bent half over a crib. Some of you guys know this, the bent over the crib, back aching thing where the, you're like, why didn't I bring the chair closer before we started this situation? And you're just kind of stuck there. And then you move and the room squeaks. And then he's like, no, don't go. You know? And there's this whole back and forth of slowly leaving the child. And, uh, and eventually he fell back to sleep and he was fine, which was great. And I have no idea why he was upset. And Sarah doesn't either. Maybe his teeth are coming in or he had a bit of a bad dream or whatever. I don't know. But I do know that to Will, it was a big deal. It was dark. It was scary. It was probably in pain. He didn't know what was going on, right? He was upset, and he needed the reassuring presence of his dad or mom to comfort him and to realize that the pain and the fear and the dark was actually a passing thing and was actually small compared to the love and the embrace of those who love him. It was very real to him, not minimizing that, but it was small and passing compared to uh, the strength of the love of his parents. And so what I had to do was, in a sense, pull back the curtain and show him, yes, you are afraid, yes, it's scary, yes, you're in pain in some way, I don't know exactly, but let's pull back the curtain and realize you are so loved and so embraced even in this moment. And I love that we sang this morning, when we see you, we find strength to face the day, right? In your presence, all our fears are washed away. And so I got to enact that with Willem this morning. But that is exactly what Revelation is about, to pull back the curtain so that the church is in their moment of suffering and persecution and darkness Realize they are being held and embraced by the lion who is the lamb. That they are held and secure in Jesus. And that truth is for each and every one of us. In the moment where you are feeling afraid. In the moment of real persecution. In the moment of real pain. Whatever that might be. And maybe it's not a moment. Maybe it's a full season. But to pull back the curtain and realize I am actually loved and kept and held by him Who died for me and I am safe and secure in his arms and so as these churches are facing fear and persecution John is writing this letter showing them Jesus is here he's holding you he's keeping you and all will be well we know that there are other churches uh, other cities where there's churches but these seven are addressed it's actually the same road it's the same order that if you were a traveling messenger bringing the letter, you would have gone through these churches in this order. And so it's kind of written in order of, of when you would have gotten your letter if you were a traveling messenger. But seven's also used by John all over the place as a symbol of completeness, which means there's an implication here that Jesus is addressing the whole church, not just the seven churches. He's addressing the whole church through the seven. And, and the key theme again we'll see is Jesus is a faithful witness even to death, and so will his followers be. And that's a sobering word, but it's true. Just as Jesus was faithful and triumphed over death, so we triumph over death through our suffering. And there's victory, even as we seem to be defeated. I like what N.T. Wright says about Revelation. He puts it this way. He says, Revelation offers one of the clearest and sharpest visions Of God's ultimate purpose for the whole creation and that the powerful forces of evil which are at work in all sorts of ways including idolatrous and tyrannical political systems can be and are being overthrown through the victory of Jesus the Messiah and the consequent costly victory of his followers the world we live in today is no less complex and dangerous than the world of the late first century when this book was written. And we owe it to ourselves to get our heads and our hearts around John's glorious pictures as we attempt to be faithful witnesses to God's love in a world of violence, hatred, and suspicion. Does that not seem like our world today? Violence, hatred, and suspicion. So Revelation is revealing the truth of Jesus, our reigning king, Written to real churches who face real persecution, reminding them God is with you in your suffering. And you too can conquer and be victorious as you remain faithful to Jesus. And of course, these are Jesus' words to John. Verse 17, fear not, I'm the first and the last, the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades, not COVID-19. I have the keys. Right? Therefore, the things that you have seen, the things that are, and the things that will take place after this. I remember when I was in grade one, we had a solar eclipse. Well, we didn't have it. A solar eclipse happened to us. And we were told over and over again. We were allowed to go out into the playground and and watch it, but we were just told over and over, right? What were we told? Don't look at the sun. Don't look directly at the sun, but you're also being told to go out and look at the sun. (laughs) Tell that to a grade one person, right? And even though it's, you know, even though it's back there and it's, you know, it's it's eclipse, um, don't look right at it because it's still really, really powerful and bright. Even though it's veiled, it can still cause damage. And, you know, here's these fancy glasses and, and, you know, Look at it, but don't really look at it, right? (laughs) Okay, I don't know. Be careful. And I think the danger of of like a full-powered son is worth keeping in mind when you read through this description of who Jesus is in verses 12 to 17. We can be in relationship with the living God, but Jesus is not just one who, who sort of merely makes me happy inside. When John sees Jesus, he falls down in fear, right? And notice some of the themes that come up. You've got the Son of Man, clothed with a long robe, a golden sash, hair on his head were white like wool, his eyes a flame of fire, his feet like burnished bronze, his voice like many waters. A lot of these are pulling on Ezekiel and Isaiah. It's a vision that's just soaked in scripture and biblical images. And to understand that, John expects as, he, as he's referring to the different images that you know the Old Testament well enough to pull up what he's referring to. So Revelation is, is, again, it's sort of the culmination and, and consummation of all of the Bible. And there's a real call for, for us to be like, do I understand the Old Testament references that are going on? There's this picture of Jesus, stunning royalty. The, the sound of his voice, like the many waters, the sound of the Almighty. That's Ezekiel one he He's been alive now forevermore, and because of that, I need not fear him. And then again, like I said, Jesus' pastoral heart, fear not. Yes, there are times of suffering. Yes, there are harsh and severe rulers who are running the world and imposing their will. But to the seven churches and indeed to all the churches in all times and places, we need to know that Jesus is standing in our midst and he is holding us. And that Jesus is holding you today, whatever you might be going through. And so the central claim, again, Jesus is alive and greater than we could ever imagine. He's dramatically powerful, but he's also gentle and caring and compassionate. And he's won the victory through his suffering. And so will we. The one who created all things and the one for whom we were made is the one who's going to soon return and complete the task at hand, which is to set the world aright. And so in the midst of whatever suffering or hardship we might be facing, whether it's today or tomorrow, we can trust that the risen Savior is with us. He is holding us. He's got us. He'll see us through. And so I just want you to take a moment, just as I, as I, as I finish preaching, and we move to the table. Take a moment and just examine your own life and your own hearts. Where is there an area in your life where you are feeling discouraged, or where you are feeling lost or lonely, or where you are feeling worried about the future, or where you are feeling uh where is God in this and I don't know what and, and maybe for some of us that's just the realities of of covid nineteen and the season we're in and, and it's i mean we've been half a year into it now, right, and it's sort of where's God in this and and maybe, maybe it's not a big deal for you, but I know there's lots who are anxious about it. Maybe for you it's something else. There's something in your life where you are just like, God, where are you in this? And I, I want you to have that picture as I share that story with Will of, of sometimes we can feel so alone and in the dark. And that's how these churches felt. And sometimes that's how we feel too. We're alone, we feel like we're in pain, we can feel scared. But Jesus wants to come alongside us, just as he came alongside these churches, just as I got to come alongside Will in the middle of the night. Jesus wants to come alongside us. And he's already there. And his heart is to embrace you, to calm your fears, to be present with you, even in the midst of the difficulty. And so in this moment, just as we head towards the communion table, Let's take a moment and just say, Lord, I need to know your presence and your peace around me today. And then just in the quietness of your own heart, just, just name the things that are, that are difficult in your life right now. The things that, that bring up worry, the things that bring pain, the things that bring fear. Let's surrender those to him. Lord, I'm worried about the future. Lord, I'm worried about my kids. Lord, I'm afraid about the way the, the world's becoming. And as we surrender those things, I want you to imagine imagine Jesus coming and just surrounding you with His loving presence. And to hear His words over us today, fear not. I was dead, but I'm alive forevermore. And friends, He's got you in whatever season you're in, whatever fear or doubt or worry you may be experiencing. So, Lord, today as we come to this table, we are in need of the assurance of Your presence and Your peace with us. As we read this word in Revelation, we're so aware again, Lord. Of the powers in the world, the frightening things in our lives, Lord, and the need for your presence to surround us. Jesus, as we would come to celebrate this table, we pray it would be a, a, an act of setting our hearts afresh on you that you died to save us. And though we may experience suffering in this life, even death in this life, we have hope because we are alive forevermore in you. Jesus, this morning we give you the burdens, the brokenness, the worries, the fears of our hearts. We give them to you. And I pray over each one, Lord, we would feel the the presence and the peace of your spirit upon us. Lord, pull back the curtain in our lives and show us the ways in which you are at work in the difficulties of our world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.